Hello and welcome. My name is Danny Hawley-Gold and you join me again with seven-time Formula One World Drivers Champion Sir Lewis Hamilton together with founder and CEO of CrowdStrike George Kurtz who also happens to be pretty handy behind the wheel. Uh, today we discuss the mental and physical preparation that allow top performing individuals to excel in their field and the lessons that they've learned that help them continually perform at their best and stay ahead of the game. Welcome as we delve into a formula for success. Uh, George Lewis, thanks so much for joining us back here. I cannot believe it is almost a year since we last did this. It feels like yesterday and uh, in Formula One, what a year it's been. George, uh, like myself as a fan watching Formula One, Lewis, it has been a roller coaster watching you out there. How how's it been to be in the middle of the fight? Thanks, Danny. Uh, it's good to see you both. Um, it's great. Is it really been nearly a year? I feel yeah. like we only did it uh, just recently. Me too. I, the, yeah, I couldn't but, believe. But uh, yeah, it would have. This has been one of the most hardcore years of my life. Uh, challenging in so many different ways, and uh, obviously, you know, the season's just been a roller coaster of emotions um started off really strong and then you had a difficult phase through the middle then we had some couple of good moments and then yeah it's just uh feels feels more uh, unpredictable than ever before and there's huge pressure i mean it's been great because it's really pushed us to to excel on every level and we're still having to we're still digging deep um which i think which is how it should be right yeah. Uh, George, you, I know you're a lifelong fan. How, how different does it feel, sort of, your emotional investment in this season as being part of the team compared to when you were watching as a fan? Uh, it's been fantastic. And uh, I think any fan should be delighted with uh, where we are today. Obviously, um, it, you know, it's close. It's good for the fans. Uh, I wouldn't like it to be as close, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's just an amazing sport. And, uh, you know, all the teams have done really well. And it's not just one dominant team this year. It's, you know, anyone has the opportunity to win. So as a fan, that's really cool. But of course, uh, you know, where my loyalty lies with, uh, with Lewis and, and Mercedes. And, um, you know, as a partner of Mercedes, I, we couldn't be happier at CrowdStrike. And uh, it's really been a number of years together and uh, I think a fantastic relationship both on the technology side and certainly on the sports side. So we look forward to it and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll catch up soon in, uh, in Austin, which is coming up and um, we're looking for uh, great results. Uh, Lewis, you spoke about the, the level of pressure this year and I was really interested thinking about it. I was working out the fact that it's, it is the closest championship in history in terms of two drivers and how closely matched the points have been through a season. We've never had one this close before. And I just wonder, in terms of coping with pressure, if you reflect back to 2008, say, when you're 23 and went on to win your first championship, how differently you feel about the pressure now with all of that experience behind you? Uh, it's a huge difference. I think when I was 22, 23, I was... Um yeah right on the brink um yeah. managed to kind of disguise it but whilst i'd been in championship fights before the pressure was just oh, it was overwhelming overbearing and um i i struggled to, to to cope with it back then for sure um i would say now i'm much more relaxed with it but the passion and the desire is as great if not more than when <laughs> 
when I first even got on the scene, which is uh, a real surprise. I even surprised myself. Um, even though like, you know, we just had that race, we only finished fifth. It was better that we started eleventh, so it was progression. But I'm always, you know, my drive is to win, and we've got this championship. You're leading, and then one minute, one minute you're leading, one minute you're not, one minute you're leading. So it's uh, it's great to see that it is the closest one of all, as long as. We at the end we're leading. We're leading. That's that's the, that's what we're working on. Yeah. Do you know I was um, I spoke to James Vowles, the uh, head of strategy for the team, the other day, and said, Look, do you, "Have you preferred the seasons when you've kind of run away with it and the pressure's off, or can you enjoy the pressure in the moment?" And he said, "I want to prove I'm the best in the world at what I do, and I absolutely relish this challenge." And it's a great thing to say, but he really believed it, and, and I love that. Is I guess that's the way you feel as well, Lewis, and and you as well, I suppose, in what you're doing, George. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's really... Sorry, George, you want to go first? Mate? Okay. I think having to dig deep, having to push the, push the limits, that's, that's what we exist to do. And pressure, uh, surrounding the pressure only increases that, that desire and how hard that is, right? And so that's what racing and motorsport is all about. And so the more competition you have, the better. The harder it is, the better. And... You know, it's meaning that we're also having to pull together more than ever before, which brings you closer to, to people that you're working with, with, that you're on the journey with, and you ride the waves together. And, uh, you know, I've been with this team a long time now, but we continue to, I think, get stronger and stronger. And we still have difficult days, but that's the beauty of, of what we do. How about you, George? Well, like Lewis, um, we enjoy the competition, and I think the competition in our industry is is uh, is fierce. Um, and at the end of the day, if you can win, uh, you're going to make a better product. You're going to come out with better outcomes. You're going to keep your customers happier. And for us, every day we go to work and we think about winning, and that's really important. And um, we're number one security company in the world, so everybody's trying to knock us off uh, the mountain, similar to, to Lewis and, and Mercedes. And, uh, you know, a lot of enemies, a lot of honor, they say. So we just have to keep doing what we're doing. And at the end of the day, I think it's good for us. It keeps us in the game. Uh, we don't get complacent. And it's really good for the security industry and customers because with that competition, it really drives us to move faster, to come out with uh, bigger and better innovations and ultimately stop breaches for our customers. So it's a lot of fun. And if you're just mailing it in, that wouldn't, no, nobody would enjoy that. And every day we think about how do we beat our beat the competition and how do we keep our customers safe? Well, George, actually, you're racing next before Lewis. So I'll ask you to take your uh, CrowdStrike hat off for a moment and put your race driver hat on because dealing with pressure in the heat of the moment is tough enough in, in normal life. When you're there at the start of a race against uh, pros and amateurs uh, combined and those five lights go out, have you got any techniques you use to sort of calm yourself and, and sense yourself in the moment? I think it's really about focus and, and try to context switch. And obviously I got a lot going on with work and then I got to get in the race car and it's, it's sometimes difficult to context switch and just, you know, focus. But I think for me, it really energizes what I, you know, what I do because um, I never think about an email. I never think about a phone call and everything about a problem. The only thing I'm thinking about is driving and, and doing the best I can. And um, you know, it's pretty, pretty stressful for Lewis given uh, what he does. And for me, it's, it's a bit of relaxation. I've got so much stress in, in my, my normal life that um, racing is, is really a way to, uh, you know, detox a bit. And whenever I get out of the car and, 
And uh, really, whenever I get out of the car, whether I do well or not, uh, I'm always refreshed and thinking about, you know, how do we get better? How do we get faster and, and continuing to, uh, to do well in the sport? So it's been exciting for me. And it's something that we've really wrapped around CrowdStrike with our CXO summits. We've got a lot of guests coming uh, to our next race. And uh, it's been great to integrate uh, security as well as the racing piece at CrowdStrike. So, Lewis, I was going to I was going to say to you, how do you mentally prepare for, for a race? But with George mention, mentioning there, there's so much going on. I mean, you've got so many, whether it's other commitments or all of the engineering work you do in the build up to a race. I guess there's part of you that when the lights go out, that's what you've been doing all your life. How much do you need to prepare mentally? Oh, still a huge amount of preparation. It's interesting um, hearing George's perspective on on from his day-to-day job, his escape is racing. Is where I've been racing my whole life, and my escape I have to also find. It's very, very similar, right? Um, it is... I try to... I find that I have a lot of joy, in, and there's a lot of enjoyment, in, in obviously, in the racing, but it's stressful because there are so many aspects to what we've got to, to do to, in order to achieve greatness. But I try and distract myself with other things like music or... Um, like working with the uh, Hamilton Commission or um, or is it with fashion, whatever it is, I always try and find an escape because then you're not thinking about that particular thing. So I like to switch off in between, but there is the days that I try and uh, that I engage with the team. There's things that I really want to know, so I request meetings with the team in between. I want to know what went wrong during the weekend or where we could have gone better. So it's difficult to move forwards and know where you're going unless you know where you've been, right? So we do that, that homework at the beginning. And then the next week we do the, the pre, uh, pre-event race prep, sometimes in the simulator, sometimes it's just by Zoom or meetings if we're at the factory. And then, and then it's the Thursday. So there is a lot of data to go over. There's the previous year's uh, books that I have. So I know what I did in the previous years at those races. And it's just really trying to make sure that you don't leave any stone unturned, right? So you're just having all, as much information as possible so that you can react uh, to whatever scenario that you face. But still, sometimes you do all that work and you're still taken by surprise by certain things. And naturally, we don't have a crystal ball. So um, it just means that we've just pulled together. Communication has been the biggest key, I would say. And I've got to say, Danny, um, just to jump in here, just to to see drivers like Lewis, like context switch, it's amazing. Like you think about going in the suite, meeting with customers. You think about you know preparing, then getting on the grid. You know Martin Brundle's trace chasing him down, and <laughs> you know all these things happen. And then you you've got to get in the car, and the lights go out. It's uh, you know to see that at a professional level, at the highest level of sport, is amazing. That guys like Lewis can, can just context switch. Um, it's so difficult to do. And that's one of the things that always astounds me of how uh, you can get in the car and just go after all the things that are actually happening. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that's, I think you learn over time what is taken. I mean, it's all about holding on to your energy and what, you know, there'll be a list of things that draw from that energy, right? That suck from that energy that aren't adding to the reason you're, you're, you're there. And so I make sure I eradicate as many of those as possible within reason um, and getting my own time before I get in the car in order to get into that zone is the key part. Um, so I make sure I always have that. 
Yeah, it's always fascinating, uh, George. If I speak to Lewis on a Saturday, there's been a pole position and then there's there's tons of energy. And then on a Sunday, it's just a slightly different Lewis, almost like a, a Zen. There's like a Buddhist energy of calm that runs through, irrelevant of start position. The energy is always quite similar. And I guess you're trying to keep that battery full to deploy during the race rather than to give elsewhere. It's always a, a, an interesting thing to look at. Um, as, as I was getting ready to, to talk to you guys today, I was thinking about pressure and, and how it can weigh heavily on us. And I thought one of the things that most people have is a mentor or a friend they speak to. And I wondered for, for both of you guys, as you the higher you get up the tree, the less people there are that have experienced what you have. There's no one who's as met, won as many Grand Prix as you have, Lewis. And I just wonder, who do you turn to now for advice? I know you've got other athletes, whether it's Serena Williams or someone that you're friends with. Do you go to them or do you go to old buddies from Stevenage that you've known since you were 15 who, who know you at your core? And, and from them, I just wonder who you turn to. That's a really good question, Danny. And I think that's actually been, um, I would say that's probably been one of the biggest struggles for me during my career. Um, I, I think naturally, if you, it's, it's just always difficult for people who aren't in the same, in your shoes or vice versa to truly understand but there's loads of people that will listen, will listen and try to empathize but um, yeah but sometimes it's just good to talk about it and even if you don't get what you need back um, I actually my dad's always been really kind of I would say my dad's always really been the best mentor from day one yeah. there was definitely I, I still feel there was a period of time where I felt it was very hard for him to really understand how how the pressures like how you feel the pressure on your shoulders and how how tough it is but he also had that pressure in trying to keep us racing right so it's all relative um but i don't have anybody else i think so even today before the race and after the race i'm talking to my dad and he will he always is the person that's able to to lift me up or just give me that little bit extra of of encouragement that um that that's needed uh so I'm super, super grateful for that. Yeah. How about yourself, George? Top of the tree at what you do. Who do you turn to if you're picking the phone up to one person? Who is it you're hoping for can can lead you in the right direction or take a bit of weight off your shoulders? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, you know, Gearhart is our chairman, you know, on the professional side. So he's uh, he's always a good, steady voice to, to bounce things off of on, on the professional side uh, crowd strike side. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's when you're, when you're at the top, you know, you, there's, there's not a lot of people that you could talk to. And I think it's important to be able to strategize and, and bounce, um, some information and just thoughts, uh, on, you know, what somebody else would do and just share their experiences. And then, um, you know, on the race side, I started working with a guy named Ross Bentley, who's, uh, He's done a lot of work, uh, actually written a lot of books, but a lot of work around the mental preparation piece. So I chat with him before the races and just try to get the mental piece of it on track. And, um, you know, again, it's it's difficult to kind of move between work and, and racing. And I think he's been pretty helpful to me in, in getting in the zone. Yeah, it's interesting, George, saying sort of at the top, there's not necessarily a lot of people, but I, I guess sometimes for all of us, we can feel there's, there's not a lot of people. And maybe it goes to what Lewis just said that actually just vocalizing it to someone often you've probably got the answers yourself somewhere but by vocalizing it to someone 
um, you can kind of pick through the puzzle. Um, talking about dealing with that pressure, Lewis, it's been unique what you've had to deal with over the last 15 years of your career. If if you had advice, whether it's for a sports person who's coming through or someone coming through in business on how to deal with extreme pressure, is there one sort of nugget that you've picked up over the way that you'd be kind enough to share with us? Um, well, I think what's important is that you know, what worked for me won't work for George and what works for George won't work for me. It's always finding what works for you. And that means, does mean that you can try all these different things, right? Um, I think what's been important for me, the most important thing, is the balance between work and home life or enjoyment, right? You've got to be able to enjoy the journey. And what I found is where there was a point where you're just working, 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 you're so focused on this one thing that you miss all the things that... You know, as you travel through life, the things you see. And so I'm always just trying to I catch myself up. I'm like, hey, pull back. Let's have a, you know, make sure you do something. It could be just as listening to some music brings me joy in my day. Do that once. Or speaking to one person if you need to. Or playing an instrument or doing painting. Whatever it is that brings you joy. Just making sure that you strike a balance. Um, I mean, I learned that from, you know, I had a a relative that passed away, my auntie. And I remember her telling me that she had just worked and worked and worked to pay off that mortgage. And she had put aside all the plans, and kept delaying all these plans to do great things, you know, like holiday and things for her. And she ran out of time. And, and I remember in her voice just how sad she was that she, she had put them aside. And she said, just live in the moment. Don't delay anything. So I think that's for me, I think what's helped me be better is trying to find that balance. And it's a constant bit of work, but I now have things that bring me a lot of joy and it only adds to the enjoyment of my, den, my job. Um, and I don't arrive stressed. And I think that's been a real big... Do you know, we spoke about this last time um, where George spoke about um, he hates to lose uh, more than he loves to win. And Lewis, you talked about you've had to work really hard over the years to find the joy in winning rather than the loss being. And, and actually, compared to most successful people, I think you'd agree with me, George, that you've spoken to, the most successful people you said hate to lose more than they love to win. But Lewis, you found a way to turn the key in the other direction um, to really enjoy those those good moments because they don't last forever and really finding pleasure in them. It's interesting. Yeah, but also, look, I mean, I, I, I'm just the same as George in the sense I do not like losing <laughs> anything. Honestly, like, even earlier today, like, during my day, I play, I play like a chess game with a friend and uh, he's, he's in London and I could see myself losing it. And I'm like, I don't want to lose this thing. So it's a part of, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's, um, but the losses really feed the spirit and feed and fuel the fire. And like, I take my last race as a massive loss, even though in the big scheme of things, it's minuscule, but that's fed me. Like I'm, I was up on, on Monday, I did a powering through this run, focusing on my stretching, making sure that I'm going to be the best I can be in this next race. And I'm, I'm communicating with James, I'm communicating with Bono, Hey guys, how can we, I'm sorry about last weekend. How can we be better? How can I help you better? How can we be a more tight unit in the next race so we kill it? So there's so many positives that come from it. Um, and I guess the, that hate of losing 
continues to fuel you, right? And, and, and George, um, you know, undoubtedly, um, we know racing is a mental game, but I wonder if that's true with you battling global adversaries from nation states around the world. We know the mental pressure of what, what Lewis is doing in the car, but for you and your team, I've heard some of the sort of major incidences from some of your team with nation states targeting critical infrastructure. I can't imagine the stress you and the team are under around the world. How do you prepare to absorb that pressure and respond? Well, I think you got to start with uh, believing in yourself and believing in your team. And it's, it's no different than racing, right? When you, we go out there every, every race, you think you can win. And we, every event that we deal with, we think we can beat the adversary and you have to have that, that mentality. Uh, we've got a lot of professionals on the team and it really is. Um, and I say this all the time. It's not about the name on the, the front of the Jersey. Uh, sorry. It's not about the name on the, the back of the Jersey. It's the name on the front of the Jersey. And that's really, really important um, from a team perspective, right? So nobody um, gets, you know, nobody loses perspective on what's happening. And if you're professional about it, you understand you have a job to do. We've been called into some pretty hairy situations, as, as you have seen over the years. Uh, we've been the topic of a lot of conversations, um, you know, at, at the state levels, I would say. And we just have to do our job. And, and if we do our job and we focus on what we call our mission, right, and mission to protect customers, I think everything else uh, falls into place. So um, it's hard. It's pressure filled. And I can't tell you how many times I get calls from somebody who says, well, can you go faster? Can you, you know, do this? Can you do that? And there's, you know, there's only so many things you can do if you want to do it right. Um, but we're going to come out with the, the right outcome. And um, as I said, if you believe in yourself and you have the right team, you're, you're going to come out on top more times than not. And that's really what we've been able to do. So the same question to you then, George, that, that I asked Lewis before is if you've got one piece of advice or someone's given you one piece of advice on dealing with extreme pressure, someone you can share with us to help us shed that off our shoulders, what would it be? Well, I, I think it's uh, it's what I just said. I think the first thing is you, you, you if you believe you can, you can. And a lot of folks have self-doubt and a lot of people think, well, am I going to do it? Can I do it? And is there somebody better than me? And, um, you know, for me, and even like starting CrowdStrike, I'd, I'd rather bet on myself and, and the team we've created than, than anyone else. Um, and sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose. But at the end of the day, you're going you're gonna to come out better, um, you know, each day if you have that mentality. So I like um, making what I would say um, calculated bets. And if you believe it more times than not, you're going to be able to achieve it. And as Lewis said, you know, some of the, you don't win all the time. And those losses, I can tell you when, when we lose a deal, um, you know, I remember that for a long time and it just sticks with me. And it's like, well, what could we have done better? How do we, you know, where did we go wrong? How do we improve the process? And it's every little detail I'm sure similar in, in racing is like, you're not going to win every one of them. But what can you do? How do you make it better? How do you make a better product? How do you make a better sales process? And more importantly, um, how, do you, how do you focus on the big goal of keeping customers happy? And if you can do that more times than not, you're going to win. Um, Lewis, you touched on this at the start of the conversation about being hungrier than ever almost. And I just want to talk about resetting targets because whether it's resetting the stopwatch to zero, someone's been given a sales target to hit a certain amount, it feels great when you do it, but then you start the next year, you're back to zero again, and you've got to start the work all over again. What is it, do you think, that gives you that drive to go and chase another championship? I remember earlier this year, a brilliant conversation with you and Tom Brady 
And both of you have achieved so much and the hunger to go again. And Tom's on his way to another one by the looks of things. And I just wonder, what is, is it something innate? Is it genetic or is it something that you have to keep recharging yourself? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a conscious effort. I think it's, it's the approach. I think, um, like you're saying, I always, I always start the year um, from ground zero. I'm like, I'm not the world champion. Um, even, you know, if, you're, if you've won a championship or not, you know, if, I don't look at it like I'm coming into the year as, and I'm the target. I'm like, I'm the hunter right from the beginning. So it's all from the ground up. So it's the training, it's the preparation. It's understanding where you can be stronger from the previous year, how you divide your time, um, things that you might have neglected the previous year that you think that could help advance. And I think then it's also then how you collaborate with your team, you know, how you communicate with your team, how you can improve that collaboration. And and it's the excitement of that journey that you take on because it's an emotional roller coaster with a large group of people, a, a huge group of people that, and, and you go, you ride that wave together and you all experience the same, the, the, the emotions, the excitement of the potential ach- achievement that continues to drive us is all the same. It's all relative, right? And, uh, and I know that, I know we've been able to do it in the past, so I'm, driven to do it again but I know every time it just gets a bit it gets harder the bar is raised whether we've raised it or someone else has and um, that's that's fascinating for me how do we how do we redesign these components to be more efficient and and better how can I re reshape the way I drive or approach corners or use tires or use fuel or use the engine or use this machine that I have in in an even better more efficient way so I'm more consistent. How can I be more consistent mentally through the year and, and just hitting birdies all, all the way along, right? So there's that challenge always. And every year you look at it, I mean, look at this year. I've had more bogeys than I've had in a long time. So now I'm like, I'm driven already for next year in rectifying that, um, as well as these, these last few races. A couple of eagles in the last few races wouldn't hurt either, would they? Um <laughs> Um, Lewis, you talked there about um, the, the roller coaster ride you're on with this huge team, and I guess racing is the same in that regard as business. That much of the success is down to relationships within a business. And for you, obviously, you work very closely with Bono or, or Peter Bonington, your senior race engineer. I just wonder how that relationship has developed, how much you've had to cherish and nurture that over the years to build the communication that you two have today. Yeah, it's taken. Um, I think it's taken a, long, a lot of work on both both sides you know we've been through so much together and it's a, it's it's quite a difficult thing because you're not together living together in the same neighborhood so there's like distance and then you're back together you're back in it together so staying in touch is is key and there are so many people that are a part of that so how you nurture that relate that that the being connected staying connected to everyone and that's i think and, and also how you approach the weekends the energy you bring, bring into the weekends um, can really lay the foundation for a weekend, right? So um, I always make sure that, that I'm coming in on, try to make sure that I'm always coming in on real positive energy, geeing up the guys that, that are around me. Um, and because I also get that energy from them too. Um, but me and Bono have been to, it's the longest engineering partnership that I've experienced. And 
and it's wow, it's been amazing. But it's been tough. You know, he's had some really difficult times as well in in, in his uh, through his journey, and we've been there th- through it together. And um, these ups and downs just bring us closer. Sometimes we get frustrated with each other. It's like a marriage, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but we work it out and we keep pushing. I think what's at the core of it is that we there's love and um, there's real friendship and loyalty, which is a you know huge part of, of why we've been so successful. Yeah, a lot of relationships and marriages wouldn't make it around the world to 22 races a year. So you guys are doing well. Um, George, George, um, your top performers at CrowdStrike, do, do you ensure that they have their own bono by their side? Uh, uh, how do you encourage and cultivate those kind of relationships within your business? Uh, it's, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to build a great team and have a great team uh, across the board. And whether it's uh, Amal running engineering or Sean Henry running our services group or Mike Santona CTO, I mean, and, and the rest of the team, they've been fantastic. Um, I, I think, you know, when you, when you look at being a public company CEO, you got to look at your CFO and, uh, Bert and I, Bert Podbarif, and I have been a, a great, uh, partner. Um, and I think that's really important from a chemistry perspective from, uh, from, uh, you know, who's your Bono. And, um, I think a lot of it was, you know, we were on the road show and just city to city and meeting with investors. And, uh, it's kind of a funny story. Bert got sick. Um, so, during the weekend, I had him come to my house, you know, I put him in a room, gave him chicken soup, fed him, got him back to health. And, you know, we finished up the road show the next week. And it's kind of those, uh, you know, moments where you're together and you've, you've got a big prize that you're working on that, you know, I think solidifies uh, great teamwork. And um, it's been a great partnership, which I think is really important uh, as a public company that the CEO and the CFO and, um, you know, we just continue to go forward together. So, there's a lot more to come and, you know, we're really in the beginning of our journey. Uh, Lewis, talking there about relationships and, and marriages. And when I think about what Formula One does very well, it, it's about honesty. And it's something that can sometimes be a bit shocking to people because typically uh, we, we give people the answers they want in life for not having uh, that short-term pain for, for the reality of long-term gain. And I think sometimes if people listen to the team radio, we're quick. It's a one line. It's a definitive answer on what you do or don't want. And it's essential to be able to go uh, faster. How have you learned and how do the team continue to work on that level of honesty? Because you can't slow down. You, you can't lie about something just to save feelings. You've got to be honest and realist. It was unusual in a normal business, I think. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's um, emotions are so heightened it was as high as they can be when when i'm in the car oh my god there is there is uh and i think that's probably the most exciting part of it right you're just Mm. your heart is racing you're mentally on the edge you've got very little bandwidth left if any and then you're you know you're asked to make these responses and so much can take you by surprise and shock you and and uh and you get that spike of, of, of emotion, right? And it's only human nature, but then you can't have it, you, you don't have filter, and it's very, very hard to filter it. Um, and you forget that also what you're saying is being broadcast to, to the world. And so, and you're judged on that, right? And people forget, like, I'm in a, I'm on the edge here, and this is, 
one mistake is it could be my life also, right? It's still a super dangerous sport. So yeah, I'm, I'm on the edge. <laughs> and um, so that's just taking work. And unfortunately, it's difficult for me because also on the end of the, on the, end of the call, uh, on the radio is Bono. And so he's the first one to receive whatever it is that I say. And, and then it trickles down to, to those on the, uh, on the pit wall who, and, and then into the garage. And we're all in it together. Um, and we're all on the edge of our seats. So working on that has been something that I've, I've definitely been trying to be better at um, because I feel the pressure because there's, there's 2,000, you know, over 2,000 people that, that are, and, and then on top of that, our partners, you know, they're all relying on me to make the right choice in the right moment and bring it home. And I want to do that for him so much. Um, and so if I lose a place, if I make a mistake, oh, the pain is, especially if I've practiced and practiced and practiced, I know better. But everyone knows that, you know, in this team that we win and we lose as a team, right? So no, one, no single one person is at fault, even if you feel it personally. And uh, we just, we work on coming back stronger each time. And that's why we've had the success we have. Hey, I've got to jump. Danny, can I jump in? Yeah, go on. Because um, when you listen to Lewis on the radio, um, I'm always wondering, are the tires really shot or not? What is he telling him? Like, what's the (laughs) behind the scenes, right? Because I think, I think, Lewis, I think you're really good at, at, uh, you know, giving the bluff out there. The other teams are listening and Lewis is double bluffing them, yeah. Being on the other side of it, I know I'm listening going, are they really shot or can he go? Is it, you know, is he going to pit? Is he not going to pit? It's really cool as, uh, as they broadcast it to, to figure out, you know, what's real and what isn't. Well, you know what? Uh, sometimes the worst thing is that you bluff your own team. So you got to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in the past, it's definitely, there are, have been times where it's, it's worked in benefit. But... Um, it's a very, very, very fine line um, that we that we have, you know, because the other teams are listening to what you say, what you say, what you say, and um, obviously the audience is too. But all the teams are listening to each other, so everyone's listening out to who's pitting when. And so, I don't know if people that are watching know that we we call the the latest part of when the latest time on the on the lap when they can call me in for a pit stop. So it's like usually the second to last corner or the last corner which gives the team enough time to get the tires run out before the other team can react. And there's all these little, little things, and um, that's super exciting. I really enjoy that. George, if we, uh, if we broadcast your team radio, would it be as eloquent as Lewis's? Or uh, how, how are you in the car? How are your emotions in check when you're racing? You know, I try to stay calm, but it, like Lewis said, you know, and, 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 you know, these guys are at a whole different level of, of speed and, and capability in their cars, you know, I, I, I don't want guys talking to me while I'm, you know, in a 120 mile an hour turn, you know, so I think we've got a, a pretty good cadence with the team and we've got some really great engineers that know when to talk to me, know when not to talk to me. And I think that's as important as like, guys, we're running a race here. Like, you know, I'm just trying to, to, to not go off the track. Like, please, it's not time for a conversation. Um, and it is, it's really pressure filled, you know, in the middle of like tight battles and um, to, to do what like Lewis and, and others do and realize the speeds they're going and how calm they sound is crazy. I'm not always that calm, but um, I just, you know, try to do what I do best and 
um, execute and, and not get myself into trouble and, and go from there. But, um, it's one of those things. It, it, it really is a talent to be able to drive. And, you know, Lewis, your steering, steering wheels are so complex. You've got so many dials and buttons and you're changing things for different turns. Um, I, you know, hats off to you. I have no idea how you can do all that and still win a race. It's incredible. Incredible. Wow, I appreciate it. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all relative, right? It's all about practice and repetition. And I always think that, um, you know, we... I think it's like we all have a CPU and you've got to figure out what overloads the P- CPU and, and how you work out to have extra bandwidth. And like you, you know, I, I work with the team to make sure that Bono speaks to me at a certain point. But I'm unhuman. If he speaks to me as I'm breaking into the corner, I'm most likely not going to hit the same breaking point that I hit the previous lap. And, you know, because it's overload. Um, so that's where you the collaboration comes in and... Um, and practice obviously helps. Yeah. My, my CPU is fully overloaded. Just, just whenever you're racing in the wet, Lewis, I find this. I caught myself the other day. I wasn't breathing watching. There was moments I stopped breathing to try and I don't know if I was trying to help you concentrate or, but <laughs> it is so nerve wracking watching it as, as a fan. It, it's, it's incredible. But George, looping back to what, what I started there was about honesty in a business. We actually touched on this before when we spoke last year about how you ensure people are honest with you as, as business leaders. But actually, I want to go further down. How do you ensure at Mercedes? They run or Toto and the team run a see it, say it, fix it policy to ensure that you, know, you are honest with each other. Um, you can be gentle how you say it, but to make sure improvements are made, how do you make sure that you have that same ethos running through CrowdStrike? I think it's uh, uh, hard on the facts and soft on the words, right? And if everyone realizes that we're just here to do our job and be the best we can, um, I think that's important. You know, sometimes people might, might have soft skin, but at the end of the day, if you just focus on the data, focus on the facts and, you know, the, the stopwatch doesn't lie. So you say, I mean, the metrics are there and in either you're winning or you're not right on the track, either going forwards or going backwards. There's no in between. And uh, I think for me, it's really important uh, if there is a problem to call it out. Like I don't, if something's not working, we want to know about it, not hide it. We want to be able to fix it. We don't want to blame people. Um, as I said earlier, you win and lose as a team. And if we're, if we're not winning, you know, it may be on the sales side, might be on the engineering side, might be anything, you know, support doesn't really matter, but we need to get it fixed and we need to move, move forward and not cast blame. And if we can realize that, you know, that we don't fight ourselves, we, we fight the competition that puts everything into perspective to try to do the best you can and, and surface things. And, you know, I spend a lot of time, not just with my executive team, but I go talk to the people who are doing the work, you know, it's like wandering around the garage. Hey, what, what do you see? What's going on? What's the competition doing? What's working? What isn't? Oh, well, we got this part in, you know, the suppliers, it didn't work right or whatever uh, on the racing side, same thing on the engineering side for CrowdStrike. Hey, you know, we need to do this better. And, you know, the competition's catching up here, whatever that is, you want to get that information real time from the people who actually see it and then be able to assimilate that and, and make the best decisions you can. Um, Lewis, we talk about the incredible team that's been built at Mercedes, not just trackside, back at the factory and the incredible partner roster now. And there's some incredibly valuable data that you're working on there. And I think people watching this who don't follow Formula One really closely would probably be surprised uh, or amazed how hard you work at going through the data. I've left the track sometimes after an evening event and you're still there picking through numbers w- with your engineers. All of that data 
is precious to us. Uh, we, especially when we head into 2022, there's so many things the team's doing that we need CrowdStrike to make sure no one else gets their hands on ultimately. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean our, our industry is based, it's all on data, right? Everything we do. And of course, we've got the individual's uh, abilities and my own ability, but there is so much data to churn through that can really help elevate us. And so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm generally there every weekend. That's been a way, for example, that I've able to, been able to, um, to raise a bar. I'm there till 9, 10 every day. Um, I'm one of the last to leave. Um, and I also stay at the track now most of the time. Obviously, when we go to the international races, it's not the case. But um, I stay there. I eat, I eat at the track with the team. And um, it gives me the extra time to be able to make sure I've, there's, you know, there'll be sometimes things on the mind. And if you're away from the track, you've gone home already, it's harder to engage with someone. So I just try to make sure we, we, there's, we've really used every moment to cover the data to make sure there's no stone left unturned so that the next day you can arrive a little bit more relaxed rather than have to catch up. So that's been a huge point, but there's so, also so much that's being downloaded and, you know, um, we're super, super fortunate to, to have CrowdStrike protecting everything that we have because everyone wants to know everything that we're doing mm -hmm. and the amount of data that's being downloaded from the car and in the garage and sent back to the, back to the headquarters on a daily basis is uh, extraordinary. Um, and without that protection, we, you know, we'd be uh, super vulnerable. Yeah, the, the, the George team with 3.78 usable petabytes back in Brackley and then all of that rushing back and forth to track. Um, it's important the team sit underneath that CrowdStrike umbrella. But George, you're a brilliant raconteur, so I've got to ask you, there must have been some shocking attacks over the years, not necessarily to do with CrowdStrike, but people losing this this precious data and moments that, that, that um, you can reflect on. And I guess ransomware as well, a big threat for someone like the team, not just someone who wants the data, but someone who wants you to stop you being able to get it effectively. And uh, that's the unfortunate part of where we are today. There's just so much money that can be made from an e-crime perspective in terms of uh, encrypting the data or stealing the data. And from a ransomware, um, uh, when we talk about ransomware, it's amazing how it's evolved. So not only is it encrypting all the data, but the e-crime actors are actually stealing the data first. So basically you have a bit of a Hobson's choice, right? You can pay the money to get it decrypted, or if you don't pay and you restore from backups, they're simply going to dump all the data online or sell it to someone else. Um, so we're in a really uh, interesting point in, in the security lifecycle and history. And you've seen so many big companies just get knocked off the map. And, you know, from a Formula One perspective, uh, obviously it would be, would be devastating if, if the systems weren't available and the data wasn't there. And that's why it's so important to be protecting these uh, systems as, as well as our other customers. And it's not just um, your, you know, your personal laptop that's being encrypted and, and you lose your pictures and it's really annoying. It's the fact that you can't operate as a company, right? You can't do your job. You can't run a race. Um, and there's really big dollars associated with it now. Danny, the average ransom is $6 million US dollars, um, which is incredible. I would be in big, big trouble, George. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'd have problems. The odds of getting caught are, are pretty low. So, yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's uh, it's really one of those areas that has evolved over time, and you know we're focused on helping protect our customers like Mercedes. 
That's incredible. I, I don't know about you, Lewis. I have no idea. Six million dollars as an average. I'm not going to ask you what the upper echelons look like, George, but I imagine we're adding zeros. Yes, you are. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's in that's insane. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, so I was just going to ask you, Lewis, about misconceptions, but I had a misconception. I had no idea of that. And actually, talking of, of misconceptions, Lewis, I said people probably don't realise all of that work you're putting in on data. But for those who don't follow Formula One closely, or even those that do, what, what would you say is the biggest mis- misconception about the sport? Um, well, I think it's very hard for those that just turn on the TV. Um, I, maybe if you go to the race, you see a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's unlike other sports where we can all, you know, all of us have got a swoosh, uh, you know, throwing a basketball. Everyone's probably, you know, everyone can go and get a tennis racket. And if you're, hit, you know, hit a lucky shot, just hit it just over the net and feel what that feels like, right? Um, but no one can get into a four-run car, uh, generally. I mean, maybe... Some of the super wealthy people can have a Formula One car, but still, to put it on the limit like we do, um, the physical drainage that you know. Usually, when I talk to people and tell them the amount of weight that gets lost in the race, that's always a shock. They're like, "Yeah, but how? Why? You're just sitting in the car." And so, you, obviously, no one understands the G-force. That's uh, the pressure that the body is un- uh, with with, uh, with taking, and then. The mental pressure uh, also, just being able to juggle all those balls and keep the car on the rails, right? Um, and, then, and then, yeah, just really the technical side. At the end of the day, uh, from a driver, you have to be far more than someone that just jumps in the car. You need to be, uh, you have to be a leader. You have to be an engineer. You have to study to be able to, to, be able to engineer your car and, um, and speak the language that all the engineers speak, right, on the technical terms. And that's, I would say that's a huge challenge. And I think that's probably things that people don't really, really imagine. They think probably just arrive and just get in and, and do what you do. But there are, there are so many elements in the background. But that's okay. That's, that's what we're now doing. I think now they've got Netflix and there's, there'll be much more perhaps in the future. But um, yeah, there's far more to just the driving that you see to do. It's, it's, it's all premeditated. It's all a part of all the study and the preparation that we put in in order to get that. We don't just arrive and drive. I was thinking the other day, I was reading an article talking about you lose 10% of your mental processing power uh, for every uh, litre of, of water weight that you lose. And so if you lose three kilos in a race, you're 30% down potentially cognitively. Um, racing at 250, whatever it is, miles an hour, uh, millimeters from a wall sometimes, and you're having to talk on the radio and change the, and your lungs are trying to burst through your rib cage as you, you break with all of that G-force. It's an uh, astonishing sport, but it's so hard to see inside the car. We can't see that, but it's all happening. And um, what's, what's, in, what's interesting is that, you know, that we're talking about data. That's the most valuable thing that we all have right probably today is our own personal data and there is a there is actual a, a debate you know because we would it would be great for a fan to be able to have the vitals of a driver and all these different things but you can't have that because there's the whole competition between each driver and um maybe maybe beyond my time they'll, they'll probably get into that yeah D- danny well, i think danny i think it's really funny when you talk to folks and they 
you get out of the car and you're, you're sweating and you're just like so exhausted. And, and they, the same thing Lewis was saying, it's like, well, are you just driving that thing around? You know, they think you just go in and drive around. And I, I love watching Lewis, the, the behind the helmet uh, footage of you, because, you know, when you break it, you can see your whole body goes down your helmet, everything just compresses. And yeah. people really have no idea what physical strain you're under. And just watching that, if people really looked at where your head is and just how much your body compresses and turns, they get a much better appreciation for just how physical it is every turn. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, what's interesting and maybe they need to do something with, um, they, I think they show the corners of the, of the car, like the tires and the temperatures they have and the percentage of the wear and everything. It's a shame they can't do that for the body. Yeah. Um, to sensor, you know, how much pressure each part of the, you know, and so that, you know, so people can maybe can conceptualize it a little bit more. Um, but yeah. I don't know if people, um, everyone ever potentially cares about it. I don't know. Under, under high G in a corner, your body weighs half a ton. It's the same as a baby elephant round a corner. I think it's just impossible to imagine. In fact, George, if, if you ever see someone do a hot lap in a car next to a driver, and they're, they're not surprised with the straight line speed, but being thrown around under braking. And if you look afterwards at the G meter, it's like 1.3 G. And the guys are pulling five and a half, six under braking. It's just, yeah, I mean, incredible. Um, flipping the question across, George, back to um, the cyber security world and misconceptions you think you've still got to address in, in your field. Cybersecurity is pretty tough because there's just a lot of uh, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Everybody sounds the same and everybody claims the same thing. And I think that's uh, an area that uh, I hate to be a customer, to be honest with you, because you got to really sort out fact from fiction. Um, a cool thing about racing is, you know, you first, second, third, or here's the stopwatch. And in, in cybersecurity, it's, it's often hard to pick out, you know, what's real and what isn't. And we spent a lot of time with customers just trying to go through like the fit and finish of, the, of, of what we built and why it's special and how the platform works. And just because you have a shiny PowerPoint, you know, the nice body on the car doesn't mean that the engine is the same. We've seen a lot of really, you know, nice body work and nothing underneath the hood, right? People are pushing it down the road. Um, so I think that's one of the areas that uh, unfortunately, that's just our industry. Um, but for us, we look at customer success and we always talk to customers or prospects and say, talk to other people. How do you use CrowdStrike? Do you like it? Does it work? How does it save you time and money? And I think when they do that, they come away with a much better appreciation for the fit and finish. Everything may look similar on the outside, but as you know, there's a difference between a Mercedes engine and other uh, engine manufacturers that are out there. There's a difference between how the car is built and how other cars are built. Um, and that really shows through when you talk to our customers. It's interesting, uh, George, you say that you'd hate to be a customer for making that selection, but I think I'd hate to be a CrowdStrike competitor because having seen the business from the inside and knowing what you, you and the team are doing, not an easy company to compete against. So I feel sorry for your competitors, to be honest. Um, Lewis, I, I want to talk about personal mottos um, and things that inspire you. We see on your helmet the, the still I rise, but is there sort of a motto that runs through your life that you use as a mantra or something that you go back to that can indicate your true north? I think, yeah, I mean, on, the, on, on my helmet, I have still I rise and, and um, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if I necessarily have one particular mantra. I mean, I just look at, and I'm inspired by so many people out there doing amazing things. There are, 
literally millions of people uh, that are doing incredible things and facing um, the hardest of situations and still covering. So I watch the Olympics. I watch, uh, naturally watch sports. Um, and just seeing some of the things, the impossible things that, that seems impossible and things that just people out there doing amazing things and over, overcoming difficult times. Um, so I think always still our rise is always, um, is always a positive mental attitude for me because I feel no matter how many times you knock down, you get knocked down, you can always, you know, there is always a way of getting back up and it's, the best, the strongest part is how you get back up, right? That's where you show the strength. The falling is the easier, uh, the easier part, and obviously the painful part. But it's how you get back up and how you um, keep trudging along. And I mean, I've just had very fortunate to have, you know, you wonder why, like my brother, for example, I I I wanted a brother so bad, and I remember him being born. But I remember when I, I was seven, and I really wanted a brother, and you know, parents were pregnant and I prayed for a brother and I got a brother. My brother's faced with, you know, a cerebral palsy and watching his life of how he, he struggled physically, not being able to do the same thing as me, but always gets up, always keeps smiling, he keeps trying. That for me was a real, that was really amazing to see. If I didn't grow up with that, maybe I wouldn't have the same mentality as I have now. So, um, so I think that's kind of kind of it, and I always try and approach things as I try to approach things as a glass half full um, rather than half empty. Right? Is that the is that the is that the right saying? Yeah, glass half full, not half half empty. Yeah, Toto says the opposite. Is uh, so yeah, always looking at what we could have done better, and the glass half full, but well, the glass half empty. Excuse me, but um, I, I really like we we win and lose together because I think. Those who don't know, you could see a post on social media that says it and assume it's it's a catchphrase, but do you live by it? But I think it it gives freedom to the people that, that you work with as well. It takes a little bit of weight off their shoulders because whilst they, of course, contribute so much to success, of course, one day, someone inevitably, you, we all make mistakes. And I think that belief that, that everyone's in it together and the fact you really live that, I think it gives people freedom that work around you to be able to express themselves fully. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I hadn't actually thought of that, actually. I mean, th- when I say we win and lose together, that's, uh, that's with those that are following me that I never ever thought that, you know, they're sitting on the edge of their seats, like you were saying, you know, like yeah. having your heart in your mouth. That's, you, you, we're all riding that emotional roller coaster together. Um, and I never really, I, I, you know, when I was younger, that was just me, my dad, my brother, and my stepmom. Now it's me and a, a lot of people. And yeah. Oh, it's beautiful to be connected to so many people and to know that I'm not riding uh, the lows together, but also the highs alone. Um, yeah. And that's quite a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I took it originally as the sort of team LH motto, but I definitely think it's transcended that now. And yeah, all on the all on the roller coaster together, I guess. Um, George, how, how about yourself, George? A personal motto that guides you? Well, we've got a personal motto or a company motto at CrowdStrike, and it came from uh, a gentleman named Sean Henry. You may have met him. He, he yeah, runs our yeah. uh, services group and is our chief security officer. Spent 30 years in the government service to, to, uh, to the U.S. Uh, and our country, and uh, just an amazing, amazing leader. And, and really, the, the, the slogan is one team, one fight, right? And it's, it's, it's similar. We win and lose together. And we're fighting the adversaries, right? And we're fighting the competition. And we really just need to focus on 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 beating them and i think that's so important you know as you 
as you have highs and lows, the roller coaster you talked about, you know, it's easier for people to look inward and say, well, you did something wrong or place the blame somewhere else. And if you just kind of keep that mentality, which, which is like a mantra for us, one team, one fight. Yeah. Some days are going to be great. Some are not, but we're going to win and lose together as a team. And if we understand who we're fighting, you know, primarily the, the adversaries, um, I think that's a, a great rallying cry for, for our people uh, to always keep focus. Yeah, and Sean sounds like a great guy to catch up with as well. I'd like to have this conversation with Sean because I bet he's got some great stories, but I'm also sure he's not allowed to tell most of them. So uh, He's got great stories, be... unbelievable yeah, yeah. stories. Um, uh, we, we've talked a lot about success, coping with pressure, um, what the next goal and next target is. But I guess once you've achieved a lot of success, it's also about giving back. And Lewis, I want to touch on Mission 44 and what it is really you're seeking to achieve next, how that's inspiring you and what the initiatives you're involved with now. Yeah, well, I I've, I've feel, feel so privileged to be... Um, to be, uh, you know, working obviously naturally with with Mercedes, continue to, you know, for an, uh, another two years. Hopefully, who knows? It could be more. But um, we've started Mission Forty Four. It started with um, the Hamilton Commission, which is really just a, a, a research base to try and understand what the barriers were for um, young uh, African young black kids trying to get into STEM subjects. Why we're seeing such a lack of diversity coming in through engineering and. And then really challenging it, uh, challenging all our partners, challenging us within, holding ourselves accountable. Um, we now have these recommendations that have come from that research and together with Mission 44 and Ignite with the team, we're working on addressing those, working with the FIA, working with Formula One with the goal of, you know, through the research we found that um, a more diverse workforce is 30%, uh, it, it operates at 30% better. Um, when they have a more diverse workforce, so there's so many, uh, so so much work to do, and the goal was to make sure that the commission was a real commission of action, and so now we have Mission 44, which I've personally funded, and that's like that's kind of my side job, which is, you know, when I'm away from the races, that's what I'm focusing on, making sure that that's being implemented and that's really going to have tangible, short-term and long-term. Um, uh, changes moving forward so that's become like the core of my I think my purpose um, and that so when I'm fighting also in those races I'm also fighting for you know for that change and, and that's a real dream and I'm really really grateful to, to be to have the amazing support so far that I've received yeah I, I spoke to someone involved in philanthropy and other projects said that the nature of life is the more you give, the more you give because it just it spreads through and inspires you. And the amount of people, Lewis, since this journey began for you, the level of positivity and how many other people that I've spoken to that you've inspired that are now doing things themselves, it, it, it's incredible how quickly that wave and the ripple has spread out. And for you, George, I suppose you're walking a similar path now with, with the CrowdStrike Foundation. Can you just, I don't know how much, Lewis, you know, but just tell us a bit about that, George. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a foundation that we started at CrowdStrike. And uh, a big part of what we wanted to do was to, and me personally, is to give back to um, kids to get into computer security. And right now there's a 3 million job deficit in computer security. And when you look at um, the the diversity metrics, they're, they're terrible, right? So we spent a lot of time 
with um, uh, scholarships, basically going to all the schools um, and focusing on, you know, diverse candidates and, and females to get them into computer security. It's really hard to find a person of color, you know, who's a female that, that is a kernel engineer, as an example, right? And, and we want to be able to change those things. So we spent a lot of time in those areas and really focused on helping students get through school and realizing that cybersecurity is such a great field. It's been great to me. It's been great to um, a lot of people in our company. And we want more people in it to be able to help protect um, our livelihood going forward. Um, you're not going to be able to do anything without computer security. You can't do it today, and it's even going to be more important in the future. And without having these young kids come up through the ranks and really get into hardcore security, um, we're, we're going to be challenged as, 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 a, as a world, as a population. So that's been a big focus for us. We do a lot of other things in helping local communities and when there's uh, issues and you know, floods and hurricanes and those sort of things. But big part of our focus is getting kids you know, through high school, into college, and into the right uh, field uh, and disciplines in cybersecurity. That's fantastic, George. Really cool. Um, George, I guess uh, you're the one here who can have a foot in both camps. And I think we talked about this with Toto, but from your perspective, both as a racing driver and a business leader, what is it that Formula One and cybersecurity have got in common, would you say? Oh, there's so there's so many things. When we think about Formula One, it's about speed and performance and capabilities and uh, precision and and lots of data. We talked about all the data earlier. It's the same with, with cybersecurity. You, you don't want to have a product that's slow. You don't want to have a product that's cumbersome. You don't want to have a product that's inefficient. Think about how much wind tunnel testing is done, right? These are all sort of analogs to security. You want speed, efficiency. You want performance. You want it to actually work. And you have massive amounts of data, which is the, the crowd and the crowd strike, right? We, we crowdsource all of this data from millions and millions of endpoints. We collect a trillion uh, events or signals per day, one trillion, right? So in, in the span of one day, we have more events than, you know, Twitter has tweets in an entire year, just to put that in wow. perspective, way more actually. Incredible. So that there's, there's so many, there's so many different things that come together, but at, you know, when you, when you kind of boil it down, it's, it's the little details that matter. And it's, it's really about having a system that sort of works in concert with everything else. And you, you can't have just the best engine. You can't have just the best, uh, you know, body work. You, you have to have all of it work together. It's the same on our end. Kind of gets back to the point I mentioned earlier. Like it, all things are not created equal. One car is not equal to another car. One security technology is not equal to another technology because it's how they come together and how they work efficiently. And that efficiency uh, and that manageability and that speed is, some, is really a hallmark of CrowdStrike to allow our customers to easily install very quickly and get immediate time to value. Some incredible numbers there, George. I, I have no idea, but I can't let Formula One be outdone by those figures. So Lewis's power unit this year will perform eight quintillion calculations, which is more than there are grains of sand on the planet or stars in the known universe. So that's a, an NF1 number to come back at the, uh, at the trillion. It's not bad. That's huh? a super... That's a... It, that, how ridiculous! 
Yeah, it's geeky, but it's a, I don't know who's counted the sand grains, but yeah, I won't go any geekier than that. Um, guys, in conclusion, firstly, what a pleasure to catch up. And we touched on it the first time we spoke, and again today, the, the, the love to win and, and the hate to lose. And I don't want to look, uh, we know what 2021 looks like for you, Lewis, for, for the win. I want to look beyond that to 2022. What, what's the next win uh, for you, Lewis, the next target for you beyond this year? Beyond this year, wow. Um, I mean, we're in. Uh, we're up to our uh, above. Uh, we're, we're in deep at the moment. Obviously, within this one, I think we've got uh, a new era of car, and it's another. You know, the no team has won apart from us from two different eras. Now we're going into the third era. So how we uh, come back and elevate and and continue to be the leaders there. I think one thing, for example, for us as a team, we're really leading that diversity and inclusion sector and really trying to hopefully spill that over and encourage the other teams and the rest of sport to follow. And that's kind of my long... Now, that's like my next, my next goal to really make sure we're implementing real, uh, real processes and real research so we can actually have some real tangible changes. And George, 2022, what does a victory look like for CrowdStrike? Let me just comment on Lewis because you asked him that question. He's worried about one thing. That's 2021. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know, I know that's, a, that's a big part of his focus, and uh, it's, um, it's obviously going to be a great year. Um, for us, uh, you know, we want to continue to win in our industry. We want to continue to build the best products, come out with new modules and uh, expand what we've done on our Falcon platform. We started with one modules when I started the company 10 years ago. We're 19 now. We keep adding more. And the big thing for us is we've really become a, a platform, a record uh, for companies. They, they, they basically use our technology to, to, to protect their livelihood, and that's a big weight on our shoulders. So we want to continue to innovate, continue to drive forward, uh, and continue to win, and, and more importantly, keep our customers safe and protect them and keep them happy. Fantastic. Well, George... Lewis, um, I think this has been the best one yet. It's been an absolute privilege. George, good luck with the eight hours. I hope all goes well. And of course, Lewis, uh, with the CrowdStrike protection, you cannot fail. Uh, all the very best uh, in your fight for the rest of the season. And thanks so much for joining us. CrowdStrike, we stop breaches. We're also the official cybersecurity partner for the Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula One team. Trusted by champions, protected by leaders. Take us for a test drive at crowdstrike.com forward slash F1.